0: Time to panic. The Rays swept the Yankees in the Bronx over the weekend, dropping Aaron Boone's squad to 5-10 and 10 on the season, which makes them the worst team in the American League. That's that's tough to say. We'll talk current Yankees and Nelly's Yankees teams with his old teammate, three-time World Series champion outfielder Shane Spencer. We'll have a Yankees fan therapy session. You'll love that. Come join us next on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four time World Series champion Yankees great Jeff Nelson. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Sheeran. Yes and Nelly at nynelly43, and Instagram at jeff.nelson43. New episodes of the pod drop on Mondays and Thursdays. Go go give us a five-star rating and write in a positive review on Apple Podcasts. We surely appreciate it. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown, pop in during the show. Might be one of his alternate egos today. Nelly's old teammate, three-time World Series champion, Yankees outfielder Shane Spencer joins us later in the show, but first. Just like he's a Simpsons character, Nellie, our producer, Jake Brown, today morphs himself into Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown, are you there?
1: Please, please step into Dr. Brown's office, Christopher and Jeffrey. Take a seat. (laughs) Take a seat. Take a blow pop. Take a candy. Take a Xanax. You might need it. Take some painkillers. You may need some drugs for this one. Um, This will be a $200 session for the hour. Welcome to Dr. Brown's office now. Your New York Yankees are 5-10 and 10 in the first 15 games of the season. I want to start with you, Christopher. Let me know your frustrations. What is going wrong with this Yankees team?
0: Here's why it's frustrating. This is a team that won 103 games two years ago before the pandemic. It's a team that went right through Shane Bieber like a hot knife through butter. And it's a team that can't get out of their own way in the batter's box right now, we keep saying podcast after podcast, they're going to hit. We're not worried. They're going to hit. And I know, look, I know it's 162 game season, but when do you stop telling fans, Nelly, that it's still early? When, when does that stop? You know, we've been saying, oh, it's only 12 games, they're five and seven. Oh, it's only this amount of games, they're X and X. Oh, it's only 15 games, they're five and ten. This could happen in the middle of the season anytime, but it's not. And here's the issue, Nelly. Here's the issue with me, and I know that this resonates with a lot of Yankees fans. All of the warts that we've seen when it counts in October are rearing their ugly heads yet again here through the first 15 games of this season. It's not that the Yankee fan is sitting here saying, oh, we're done in April. It's the Yankee fan saying, I've seen this movie before and I know how it ends. It's like watching Caddyshack or any one of your favorite movies from when you were a kid. And I know I'm dating myself. It was in 1980. But you know how the damn movie ends. And that's what Yankee fans are concerned with. They're concerned with how this movie is going to end. Goose, Fraba.
2: Goose. Well, first of all, Jake absolutely loves this because this is an everyday occurrence on the Mets podcast for the last, well, we only did, this is the second year. But, you know, in his world, it's an everyday occurrence. You know, now, now the Yankee fans are feeling the same way that the Met fans used to feel. But it's you're, you're right. I, I don't know. The excuse that it's early is, is getting old. You know, you can only say that so, for so long. And the old saying, you, can, you can't win a pennant in April, but you can lose it. And the Yankees are certainly heading in that direction. It's just, you know, nothing's going right. You know, I'm disappointed because I thought of, I thought of this team as maybe not as good as the Dodgers, but right there with the Dodgers, the second best team in baseball. Now they're the worst team in the American League right now as far as record wise. You know, defensively they're not good, offensively they're not good. Their starting rotation, Cole has been I I guess you can say a savior. You look at he went into the 7th inning, but he had 98 pitches when he went to the 7th inning. I would really like to see and, it, and it's it's really picking at picking at small things. 90 some pitches i, I would have liked to seen this guy go into the eighth inning and i know he's a strikeout guy He gets into high counts uh you, you know you'll see oh two one two then you'll see two two then he'll strike somebody out so you know i would like to see some early outs and maybe see him get deeper into the game now the bullpen has been really good so that's about the only positive but it's uh, it's very disappointing for one there's no fight whatsoever that i see you know i Maybe I didn't give the Rays enough credit. I didn't think they were going to be a team that the Yankees were going to have to worry about, but apparently they're going to have to worry about them because they can't beat them. No matter what they do, no matter who they throw against the Yankees, they just can't beat them. They can't beat them in Tampa and they can't beat them in New York.
0: Let me stop you right there. The Rays are 8 and 8. They're 3 and 7 against other teams. They're 5 and 1 against the Yankees. That just hammers home your point right there. The Yankees can't beat Tampa.
2: No, and it's and the thing of it is, is that you know you're, you're going to have to fight a Blue Jays team, and you know I know we look ahead to the uh, trade deadline, and the, and you know the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays did some things in the off season. They don't even have Springer yet, and they're going to get better. You know, you know they're going to get better. They're going to get healthier. You're going to have to worry about them. It, you know, I, I look at the Yankees team, and and I try to look at some of the teams that we had. And a lot of them have been comparisons. I mean, they said, oh, this is the worst start since 1998 in April 4th. Well, we were 0-4. And then after that, we won 114 games. Totally different team. And then all of a sudden, the worst record since 1997. Well, we wind up making the playoffs, but then we get beat by Cleveland in the division series. To me, there's just no fight. And, and now it's now the mentality and, and with the today's player, you can't go in the locker room and like blow up on them. You, you can't sit there and then call people out. You can't, you know, hold somebody accountable. I don't see any accountability whatsoever throughout the Yankees team. But you can't do that anymore because a lot of guys are too sensitive. You used to be able to do that. And people used to take it. Players used to take it to heart and say, you know what, <laughs> you, we stink. And, you know, even with Aaron Boone, just come out and say, you know what, we are a terrible team. Instead of, instead of, oh, I still have tons of confidence. Good, you're supposed to have confidence in these guys. But call them out and say, you know what? We're a terrible team. We're playing like crap. That Friday game, you look like the bad news bears. It's absolutely awful.
0: Friday was horrendous. I, I don't know how you could go in there and 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 take any positives out of that game. And you could see that's when it started to really frustrate Boone, especially in his post-game press conference, Jeff. The Yankee beat reporters, did get Clint Frazier to say that give credit to Meredith Morakovich. She's the one who asked. Boone to begin with if he addressed the team and he said i already addressed the team and then clint frazier came out and uh some ears went up because of what he said he said you know aaron's kind of a chill guy but when he raises his voice like that so you know he wasn't thrilled with that three error performance on friday night i mean you're trying you're back home the the team that you need to beat that has beaten the hell out of you the past two years comes into your house and sweeps you he's got to be spinning himself into the ceiling right now like every single yankee fan is off camera i know what he does on camera and and i think that's that's what he does really well he keeps it together, and he keeps it together for his players. But I don't know how much longer. Well, who wants a to see that? Can Do that? I, I mean, know. They're already know calling.
2: They're already calling for his head. You know. I like, know, you know that's frustrating,
0: good. Yankee fans. I why, get don't some,
2: why don't somebody? he come out? It frustrates me because I. I mean, I played with Aaron, and I know Aaron. He's a great guy, and he's a probably. You know, he he's good as far as communication and like clint fraser he's a chill guy but let the yankee fans know that you're pissed off too stop saying oh i have tons of confidence we're not going well we're not playing we have to get better oh no crap you know crap you have to get better but my goodness i mean say hey we're a terrible team and this is unacceptable you you know say something that absolutely fires guys up or fires the media or fires the fans up that's what fans want to see and and i know you're
0: not managing for the fans but that's what they want to see That's what Savages in the Box did. And by the way, is Dr. Brown still in the room? This is the easiest $200 he's ever made in his life. Now, this is
1: the point of the show where we practice our breathing exercises. (laughs) (laughs) What is this, Lamaze classes? What is (laughs) this? They say Zumba is good for the soul. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, have yeah. to ask you, uh, Christopher. You're th- yes, go ahead, Dr. The, Brown. The Yankees have driven Jay Bruce out of the team and into his
0: retirement home. What happened with Jay Bruce? I was getting ready to play my game yesterday. I pitched against Bob Clappish, who writes for the Bergen record, and uh, it was a fun day had by all. I went two for two off Clapp, by the way. Um <laughs> a single and a double if i if i must say and it's not softball it's baseball everybody and that's why he's
1: in the newspaper writing and not on the field
0: (laughs) oh god will you stop (laughs) anyway uh we were sitting there and the news came in over the actually i got the news from not dr brown but jake brown our producer texted us in the group chat and said bruce is retiring it kind of took me aback because we saw him in spring training he looked good in the outfield Uh, He looked good at the plate, but again, you can't get enamored with spring training and the numbers you put up in spring training, but it kind of still shocks me at 33 years old that he stepped away, but you got to do what your body tells you to do. And I guess it was just time for him.
2: Well, I mean, he had a, he had a very nice career, 14 years, over 300 home runs. I mean, you got to, you got to give the, give the guy some credit and you know what? He had a really nice career. He was an American league player right now, you know, as far as trying to DH and maybe play part-time in the field because of voice injury, he was forced to play every day he's not an everyday player anymore and when you're in New York and when you have everything going wrong with the team guys get magnified and his appearance in that lineup and his his job at the first base was magnified in such that he probably couldn't take it in a softer media outlet and in another city where they only have three or four guys or two guys covering the team maybe he would have been able to handle it maybe he would have been saying okay you know what I'll try to fight through this season I know things will turn around But when you're in New York and the expectation level is through the roof, uh, it gets a little tougher for guys to play. And even though I think it's a little softer, maybe it's a lot softer now than it used to be when they were at the old stadium, uh, it it was just a little bit too much for him to handle. And he wanted to step back and say, okay, that was it. Now, as far as his replacement, you know, everybody's saying Mike Ford, Mike Ford, Mike Ford. I mean, I I, you know, they really don't. Their depth to me is not where they think it is. I, I don't think they have great depth as far as guys coming in and stepping up and, oh, he's our savior. He's a guy that's going to really take off and help this team.
0: No, I don't think there's anybody down there like that. I know they have a bevy of arms that they could just put on the Scranton shuttle and recycle them over and over and over again when they need help in the bullpen. But who's that guy in the field? I saw Miguel Andujar was taking some swings. He had the carpal tunnel situation with his wrist and his hand, and he's taking some swings, but he's not playing first base. No, where where does you know, he play? Where, where where's he going? I mean, Stan's your DH and he he, he you can't put Andujar in the field because you're already an awful defensive team. So you're gonna take you're gonna bring him up, put him in the field and be even worse. I just don't see that bat down there on the farm for the Yankees, which means Brian Cashman has to has to work some magic. And it's it can't be another reclamation project. It can't be oh Mike Talkman and his on base and, and, and Aaron Hicks. Let's get him out of Minnesota, and and you know what? It did work for a time, but right now Hicks Hicks looks lost, and it's not just at the plate, Jeff. It's in the field now too. He booted two balls yesterday, and and Aaron Boone, to his credit, you know, came to Hicks's defense. He tried to be aggressive. He tried to you know have a play at the plate, and the ball just skipped over his glove. Well, that can't happen, especially when your ace is on the mound. It can't.
2: Well, I mean, now you look at this team when Voigt comes back. I mean, you go and sign Odor. LeMahieu's an everyday player. He's got to go back to second base. So then all of a sudden, you lose another left-handed batter or hitter in that lineup. A guy that at least has some pop. I mean, he does. He's has hit home one home run anyway, and has a potential to hit more. They handcuff themselves with some of these moves, and and they just have Joe, no well, place. Let's to be go. honest,
0: okay? Let's let's call a spade a spade here. There are there are way too many Aaron Judges, John Carlos Stanton's, Rugneto Doors, uh, Aaron Hicks. It's it's swinging from their ass. It, they're not playing baseball. There, there's too many of those guys, and there's not enough Gio Urshelas and DJ Lemayhews. Okay. Real hitters. That's what the Yankees need. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. It was Friday night. The Yankees were chasing six. They were down six nothing. Aaron Hicks leads off the bottom of the fifth inning. He works the count to two and oh. The next pitch comes in. He swung so hard, Nelly. He was in the lefty batter's box. He swung so hard lefty. He ended up past the right-handed batter's box. Why in God's name are you swinging from your ass When you're down six, nothing, especially when you're scuttling solo by yourself at the plate, you can't hit a beach ball if it was rolled into you. And now you're swinging from your ass when you're down six, nothing, a solo home run, you're still down five. You know, this has to change. And and John Flaherty said this on, on, on the yes post game show. He said, you know, when you're down six, nothing, you have to go pitch by pitch at bat by at bat. You have to work the count. You have to work the pitcher. You have to just try to make contact, get on base, make it harder for the opposition. These guys are just swinging from their ass and nothing is happening.
2: Yeah, but you're asking a team, that you're asking these hitters to change something that they've never been able to do anyway. I mean, what has been their MO? What has been what they've they've been all about is is swing out of their ass. I mean, you, you've seen it ever since Stanton's been here, ever since Hicks been here. Have these guys been contact hitters? No, they're not contact hitters. You know, if they make contact, the ball goes out of the ballpark, and that's it. They're not – you can't – it's hard to say, hey, you got to go hit like DJ LeMayhew and be a contact guy, spray the ball all over the field. If you get into hitter's count, then you hit a ball out of the ballpark, and same with Urshela. You're asking these guys something that they don't know how to do. They don't know how to be contact guys.
0: Well, then, can we just be honest here? This lineup, when it comes when it comes to see, like, pretty awful pitching, they'll have their conga line base pass day. They'll score 10 to 15 runs, and they'll wipe teams out like the Orioles. You know, the Orioles came in to Yankee Stadium the first two games. The Yankees outscored them 14-2. It was 7 nothing. The second game should have been 7 nothing 2 There should have been a strikeout to end the game, but then Litke gave up a two-run homer after it should have been a punch out, and then he gives up the two-run homer, 7-2. But, yeah, all right, they'll, they'll get fat on awful pitching, but you're not getting fat in the postseason on awful pitching. You're going to see the best of the best. And I know I said at the top, they went through Shane Bieber, like a hot knife through butter. Where's, where are those guys? (laughs) When's that going to happen again?
2: Well, we haven't even talked about, I mean, what they did Saturday with the, with the way they started Nick Nelson. And then all of a sudden bring in Michael King. I do not, I, I I don't like the opener anyway. I, I think it's an absolute joke. And why in the heck do they keep messing with Michael King? His first outing, he throws six innings, gives up no runs, and then he throws three, only threw 60-some pitches, and then you take him out. He's not, he's not able to start. Why don't you quit, quit messing with this guy and let him pitch every five days to see what he has? Because you have Corey Kluber, who you don't know what you're going to get anymore, cutter, 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 and then Tyone, have who knows?
0: You hit the nail right on the head. You have to see what you have in King because you may need him before you go out and get somebody else. If Cashman can get somebody else, uh, and 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 the way it's going now, it's going to have to be way before the deadline, too.
2: Well, who do they trade? I mean, who's who's those? Who are those guys? I mean, because right now the market for them, or there's no one. Uh, you know, you really don't have anyone that you can go out and get. I mean, your your opportunity was in the winter time, and you go t- you go sign two guys that that barely have pitched, that have injury problems. And and now look what you've got, you know, and it isn't like Kluber lit it up in spring training. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of his. I hope he does turn it around. I just don't see it. I, I, you know, he's too cutter happy. He doesn't, he doesn't have fastball location. I I just don't see this guy staying healthy throughout the season
0: and they're going to be lost. You know, I, I don't get it. They have two games coming up here against the Braves next Tuesday and Wednesday. And that's not easy. They're a very good team. They haven't got off to a good
2: start, but they're a very good team. And hopefully they won't see Acuna. Maybe he got hurt yesterday and who knows what he's going to be. This guy might be one of the brightest stars in baseball. That the Yankee fans could see, but
0: they've got some injuries going on uh, in Atlanta. Freed is out, Smiley is out, Acuna with the ad- abdominal strain, Mike Soroka, and Ender Inciarte also. I mean, they're they're just loaded with injuries. So the Yankees need to get fat on this Braves team Tuesday and Wednesday. I know they're a good ball club, but the Yankees, if 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 they're gonna get off the Schneid here and start going in the other direction, they they got to start pointing north. Very soon, Ellie.
1: Shirney keeps bringing up fat as if there's a fat doctor on the show with us right now. <laughs> it seems like he it was meant to be and speaking of fat, <laughs> I was at the game on Saturday getting fat off Benny Hanna at Yankee Stadium <laughs> and I never realized they had such a great eatery in a ballpark and I thought City field had Yankee Stadium topped and I saw the Benny Hanna line turn my left. the Rays hit a homer. A man catches the ball, gets heckled by 10,000 Yankee fans. (laughs) Chris Sheeran makes the astute observation. It is Zach Loser Douche Hample who caught the ball. He's got enough balls for an entire country in his room, in his house, and he did not throw it back. So in that instance, folks, you throw the ball back or you give it to a child. But Zach Hample ended up on the cover of new york newspapers and he soaked in every second of it but i will say that was a rough watch at yankee stadium yesterday no the bats were dead it was quiet but jake was getting fat
0: and that's what counts that is what counts because you got to keep that bmi up for your second round of shots that your second
2: round i know <laughs> you got to get your third pfizer shot
0: here in another year
1: <laughs> by the way i like this voice i may switch my podcast <laughs> yeah you should
0: it's kind of it's kind of doctory, but it's uh, also kind of creepy at the same time. Yeah, we have exactly. CBD,
1: marijuana, Xanax, whatever you need here at <laughs> Doctor Brown's
0: studio. Doctor Brown's psychiatric and uh, drug emporium kind of has a good ring to it, there, Jake. Well, Shane Spencer
1: is going to join the Pinstripe Pod next. Maybe he will share stories of poop and uh, Jeff Nelson, a theme of season one of the Pinstripe Pod.
2: Yeah, that's only in the bullpen. Those guys have no idea what we did down there, and it's a good thing.
0: Joining us now, three-time World Series champion, 98, 99, and 2000, the three-peat Yankees outfielder from 1998 through 2002 five seasons with the Bombers. He's now the saugerty Stallions hitting coach. Shane Spence are also uh, Jeff Nelson's teammate on those teams as well. So we'll get into all those memories in just a bit. But Shane, first, I need to bring this up with you. This was a recurring theme. And this is kind of like a sledgehammer at the beginning of the interview. Because Nelly told us off the air that you guys had no idea what they were doing out in the bullpen. But I'm gonna I'm going to shine some light on what these guys were doing out there while you guys were in the dugout. There's a lot of poop stories with jeff nelson and the yankees bullpen from when he was out there and it all had to do with going into the bathroom and doing some awful things with poop your thoughts on that chain
3: i actually i actually don't recall any of that i just know that like if he had an opportunity if i was playing the outfield and we were down by the bullpen i'd see these pumpkin seeds these big pumpkin seeds come flying by your head and they're always trying, they're always trying to hit you out there and he had he had pretty good range with his pumpkin seed, so you know, I play along. Maybe pick one up off the turf and go ahead and eat it. Yeah, so, especially it in Toronto anatomical. because you would play right field. That would be the only especially time you'd be Toronto, able to get Yeah, it. yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's always pumpkin seeds in Toronto. That's true. Sure.
2: <laughs> you know, I got you got to talk about when you first came up to the Yankees. You know, it's funny because this this team that they're that currently in 2021. There was something in the paper says, Oh, this was the worst. This is the worst start since '98. Well, we were 0 four. And you didn't come up until the middle of the season. And I just want to ask you, when you first came up, what was that like? I mean, we were sitting there getting on a roll. We had an unbelievable team. I still think probably the best team in history uh, of baseball and the things that we did then. But when you first came up and you had all these superstars around and you just fit in and, and... you know, your numbers speak for yourselves.
3: Well, I was pretty fortunate just because I came up to the organization, so I knew most of everybody already. So it wasn't that big of a thing for me. Now, my first big league camp when you sit next to Fielder and Strawberry and and Charlie and Boggs and those guys. That was a little intimidating. I think I had a big old bouquet of flowers from my mom for my birthday, so that was that was really sweet. But um, <clears throat> it was uh, it was cool. I actually got called up to Seattle. I think Chili Davis got hurt, so it was like the fourth or fifth game. And my first day there, and Joe Torre laid into the to the whole team. I'm like, oh, jeez, how it is up here. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think I was there for a month. I played one game, put on about ten pounds because I actually got to eat real food. So it's, uh, <laughs> That's tremendous, I came back. And every time I, I went up down up and down four times that year, and every time I got sent down, I got drilled my first at bat. So like, welcome back to the minor league. You know, it's like. <laughs> So I didn't like that too much. And I'm like, I, I got to do, just start doing good so I can stay up there. So, but it was awesome. I mean, what a year. It was like that in spring training too, if you remember Jeff, like just seemed like everything clicked. If somebody got hurt, uh, somebody filled in like, so if they needed a right-handed bat, they called me. If they needed a left-handed they got Ricky the day. And then I think Mike Buddy went up like nine times that year as a, starter middle reliever so us three were on the rotating door that whole year but uh it was it was a blast for sure
0: from august 7th shane i know you came up in august and then went back down then came back up for the month of september with the 40 40 man call up so from august 7th to september 27th in 1998 the the cover, I think it was the cover, of one of the papers. It was the September of Shane. That was a pretty tremendous September for you. You had three grand slams, 25 RBI. Derek Jeter, this poor guy, he goes almost his entire career without hitting one grand slam. Shane Spencer comes up, hits three in one month.
3: <laughs> well, I guess if you're going to have one thing over a Hall of Famer. I guess, you know, you, you can brag about one thing, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll take, I'd rather take his, his uh, status compared to mine, though. That's for sure. <laughs>
0: I got you. But 22 for 50, you, you hit 440. Your OPS was like near 1200. Just t- take us through that month. What was that like, especially with the team around you? And it goes to what well, you I said. I think that's you know? what
3: does it right there. You just said it, the team around you. So if I'm a big league pitcher and you got Posada, then me, then Brocious, you're going to get better pitchers to hit. Now, you still got to hit them. Don't get me wrong. But I did get much better pitches to hit than they did. And you just got to take advantage of those moments. And there was guys on base all the time. So it was great.
2: <laughs> you know, you know, Spence, you, you look at this team and I just wanted to ask you, you, you know, did they, you look at them and it look like they're going through the motions. It does not a whole lot of fight. Some say a lot, you know, not a lot of heart right now. What impressed you most about the 98 team and how guys went out and, you know, doing their business on the field and just the mentality that these guys took every single day?
3: Well, I think it started in the clubhouse. Guys got to the field. You know, nobody does their own, like, it's not a team thing. It's more like a business for each individual, how they get prepared. Everybody does it a little bit different way. You know, like, for me, I like to get in there early, just in case I want to go hit up the tee and get a little work in myself. But everybody had their own little routine. And then when it came game time, you knew if you kept the game, like, within a run, you have our bullpen. I mean, it was pretty tough to beat. So it's like even if you're down one, maybe even two runs, it, there was no panic at all because you knew, that was all they're going to get anyway. So it was just a confidence level. I'm not saying cocky, but it was kind of cocky.
0: Shane, to me, it seems like, you know, Aaron Boone did lose it after the Friday loss to the Rays uh, up here in the Bronx. And um, it, it just seems to me The manager saying something as they got swept in the next two games after he did kind of lose it a little bit uh, as to what Clint Frazier said. But it seems to me that there has to be a leader in the clubhouse. And I don't know if this has happened. It might have. I don't know. In your day, who was that guy? And also with this team, don't you think someone in the clubhouse has to step up and who would that be?
3: Well, I can honestly say I have not watched one baseball game since this season started. I've seen some highlights, but I haven't seen one game I have enough crap going on here trying to watch uh, our youth 14U team. You know, there are a bunch of rookies, and it's tough enough to watch that. Then go back and watch some more bad baseball. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Uh, but like back, I would say back when we were playing, um, it, it wasn't just one person, but, like, David Cohn would stick out. You know, if it was a big deal, like something needed to be addressed, I think he would be the one that, you know, would step up and say something. But you had guys like, you know, Reigns, and O'Neal, and they always seemed to keep everything intact so it didn't get out of control and snowball. So. We're very fortunate to have so much experience, especially with me. I mean, I was a rookie and I was 26, so it's not like I was just a baby. So we were very fortunate in that thing. And then as a coach now, you you try to put somebody out there and let those players know. Like I have have an 11-year-old son and he plays soccer. And I pretty much say, hey, man, you need to take charge. These kids really like you. They listen to you, so you got to speak up. And he does a really good job of it. As a coach, we're just trying to find those guys that can fill that role. And It's not easy, I can tell you that.
2: It's like everybody knew their job and, you know, I don't know if you had certain guys because if we ever had team meetings and Joe Torre very rarely ever called a team meeting, you know, he'd always say maybe to Posada, you have anything? Or what what are we going to do today? Grind it out or whatever it was. It just seemed to me that everybody had their own, knew what the, exactly what they had to do to help that team win. And we didn't need to follow anyone. The expectation level was already there. I mean, whether it was the fans, the media, Mr. Starman, or whatever it was, we knew what we had to do. And I don't know if we needed someone to absolutely take charge and say, hey, we got to be the rah-rah, got to put the pom-poms on. And now it seems like it's different. It's almost like you wish every team ha- had that mentality all the time. And maybe that's why we won three, because we knew that, okay, this is what we have to do.
3: Yeah, I only remember like a couple full of meetings like I remember Cone had one that might have been with uh, the whole Pete Rose thing like how dealing with the media and then Torrey had it like during the playoffs like okay and then he would talk to Fasada and like okay that was this thing how many more do we need we need 12 okay it was grind it out I mean that was that was pretty much it I mean when you have guys that come and get prepared all the time the right way and they pull for each other and I think in 98 I don't remember maybe Tino somebody hit 30 home runs maybe but it wasn't about that it was about scoring runs shutting people down and we kept it super simple like that and that's why we were successful i mean because it wasn't an individual sport
2: yeah we didn't have a guy that hit 30 tino had 28 So i was just looking because i know that year we had 10 guys including yourself with 10 plus homers yeah it's crazy yeah i
3: think bro ended up with 99 rbis too And i was sitting yeah, in, front of him. Hit he in ninth <laughs> <laughs> he kept looking at me every time i hit a grand slam he comes back he goes really seriously <laughs>
0: Shane uh Nellie Nellie said that that ninety eight team was probably the best team ever do you do you agree with, in the history of baseball do you agree with that
3: i mean it's it's not for me to say i mean but the record speaks for itself and I mean people can <clears throat> they can judge it and analyze it all they want but it, it, when you're thinking about just team it's uh the way it was put together and I don't know it's it's pretty tough it's my rookie year and one of the best teams ever so it's uh you get spoiled right out of the gate right out of the get go and then I get to play the Padres against Tony Gwynn who's my idol so I kind of peaked my first year I don't know what else to do after that <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you just won two more and then almost a almost a fourth in a row and I'm sitting on the I'm sitting in my living room on the carpet I'm saying are you kidding me these guys are going to win
3: four in a row I know. That was a long walk. I was in right field. There was a long walk in Arizona. So, <clears throat> against the best pitcher in baseball. So, it just you just never know. They, I mean, they, that Arizona team, they deserve to win that. We somehow snuck three wins in New York and somehow beat you guys in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, we got pretty lucky. So, we made it that far. I'm sure just fans i think so it was, it was pretty cool
0: yeah that 2001 uh mariner team was trying to outdo your 1998 yankee team and you guys took them and knocked them right out of the playoffs
3: yeah
2: don't remind me <laughs> 116 wins all for nothing
3: right yeah i know it was the single season record right
2: yeah yeah it was funny because i mean even even then if we would have went to the world series and whatever we would have done i still would have said the 98 team was much better i mean the numbers I mean, we had a lot of fun that year. I mean, we had a great team as far as, I mean, I don't even know. I don't, I played on the team and I can't even remember a starter that we had. You know, it just wasn't, uh, just wasn't the name guys, but. Yeah. You guys get hit.
0: Yeah. Shane, yeah. let me, let me ask, let me ask you this. You said it was a long walk in from right field in Arizona and yeah, I, I feel your pain because I, I was watching from afar and I remember that very vividly. And you said also that, you know, if you guys kept it close, there was, there was no real worry. So, in that point of the game, when you're going out to right field for the beginning of that inning, are you? Are, do you think you guys are winning that game? Like with Mo on the mound, do you think that's going to happen?
3: You know, you're you're positive, but I don't really. I don't actually remember. Uh, I remember something before the game. We did our last thing, Tori did his thing, and Sada said one more, and it was the grind thing again. And uh, <clears throat> we were getting ready to walk out of the room, and and Mariano actually. Sat out there and had his own little speech. And he had never done that before. And we all looked at each other. I remember Novak and, and Todd Green and Clay Bellinger sitting there. And I'm looking at them. They're looking at me like, what, what just happened? Uh, <laughs> Most He never, never talks. Yeah, I, did. I know. That's why I said I, we got drafted together at 90, and I'd never heard him speak. So it was like, well, what? where did that come from? And then, you know, the best pitcher in baseball all time, closer. And he's friggin', they get a bleeder here and a bleeder there. And next you know, base are loaded. And it, it was over.
2: You know, Spence, what, what, what was it with those years? You, you know, you might never ever see a team win three in a row, le- less two in a row. Guys, teams win World Series and they get complacent. And they're like, OK, we won one. It's no big deal if we ever get back but with the Yankees it was a big deal every time to get back what was it what was it you know you think about it and I'm like I, I don't know I, I don't know
3: what it, if it was the media Mr. Steinbrenner the players I don't know what well, it was well Steinbrenner, Steinbrenner definitely had something to do with it he, he was a tough cookie but he was true and, and honest and he just like, demanded I mean from even like rookie ball on he just demanded excellence you know take care of yourself be responsible And I love that guy and he was tough on you I mean he, there were times he was tough on me in the minor leagues and yeah but I think he just and then he, even in the minor league system it seemed like you are in the playoffs, So I think we won two or three championships down there and you just get used to it. I mean, where you want it all the time. And I, I think Steinbrenner is the, the main key to cl- or cog to that, to demand that, expect that, and then go out and try to do it.
1: Shane, it's Jake here. I'm the resident Mets fan on this show and I get ripped all the time. You came to the Mets your final year. Did you notice the difference in expectations? Like was with the Mets, it was like, let's have fun guys. And with the Yankees, it was let's win a championship guys. Did you see that in spring training? Any noticeable difference? with ownership and expectations for the team
3: well we did have we had a uh, like a more of a veterans meeting in Spring training with our how and all the other guys, so you had lighter and Glavin, those guys in there. And um, they were they specifically asked me, you know, what what did you guys do with the Yankees? And I said, Look, I'm not saying we were cocky, but we expected to win every game. I mean, we know it's not going to happen, but if we can't win every game, we're going to win every series. And I said, We had to have that mentality every day. And if you don't have it, then you're not going to be successful. And you know, I'm looking at I'm staring right across the table at Tom Glavin, one of the best pitchers. He's looking at me like, This looks punk, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, But that's the way it was. And, of course, when I was there with the Mets that year, we had so many injuries. I mean, I think I was hitting cleanup for half the time I was there. So that's – you know something's wrong.
0: Jesus. God <laughs> almighty. You're too hard on yourself. Well, it's called called
3: reality, okay?
0: You're like Mr. Steinbrenner. You're honest. We like that, Shane. Here's a question that I have for you, and that's that last season in New York, and Jake, good job by you, because that's where I was going last. That last season you had with the Mets, you hit 281 in 74 games, and then... Is it because no one picked you up the next year? I mean, you were 32 years old. Why Why did you just uh, decide was, that? Well, that... I got
3: hurt. I, we were in Minnesota, and I uh, I tore my shoulder on a check swing. And I remember the exact pitch of Belfer was pitching, and I was actually trying to cheat because he always struck me out on fastballs away. So I was diving towards the plate. He threw me a fastball inside, and I checked swing, and I heard it rip. And I played for a month with it. They wouldn't give me an MRI or anything like that. And I went from three-something to 280-something. I couldn't hit the ball out of the infield in batting practice. And I was hitting with Piazza and Hidalgo and Cliff Floyd. And they're launching stuff in the upper decks. And I'm just like... <laughs> just little baby bunts in the infield. And so there was a lot of times I wasn't even taking BP, but we had so many injuries that our Hal just kept putting me out there because he's like, just go catch the ball for me. I'm like, all right, cool. So I got hurt, and then uh, Japan actually signed me not knowing about my injury. So that was kind of an easy choice for me because I wouldn't have I made a, a team out of spring training.
0: All right, Shane, we, we really appreciate the time today. It was fun reminiscing. It's always great having Nelly's teammates on to reminisce about those uh, teams back in the late 90s. We appreciate the time and hopefully we could talk to you down the line as well. Good luck with Socrates by the way.
3: Yeah, we're actually going to have Charlie Hayes there for a little bit, too. Oh, so nice. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yep. so I got him on board, and uh, we're going to go there. He, you know, of course, he wants to see Cabron play, so he kind of made a deal with him. And then I have a 17-year travel team that's pretty good I'll have here. So when I'm not with them, I'll be going up there for the games, too. So it's going to be a busy summer.
0: Well, Very best nice. of luck. Best of luck to you, buddy. Thank oh, you I'll for coming it. on. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Spence. Nelly, I'll see you soon. That says goodnight to episode 45, the Garrett Cole edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Munguia for three for producing the show. Give Pinstripe Pod a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the support. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Shearn. We return on Thursday following the Yankees' quick two-game series with the Braves. Go grab some Pepto, and hopefully you can enjoy the games in the Bronx.